1 Samuel 3, Message Bible. I know I didn't give you my notes, so uh, 1 Samuel 3, Message Bible version. Um, tonight, I, I was, wasn't really sure um, tonight if I was supposed to speak on what I was preparing to speak on or not, but um, I just could not wiggle my way out of it tonight, so I know it's something the Lord wants to speak on, but tonight I want to talk about the voice of God, how to discern it, how to understand it, how to follow it, how to uh, connect to it, uh, what it looks like, what is the language of God, what is the voice of God. Uh, We read an entire Bible. Anybody got a hardback in here? We still got those? Anybody bring their Bible to church anymore? Hey, come on, Sister Darlene. She got that. That's a real hardback, too, isn't it? Um, Everything that we read in the Bible is a rumor to us if it doesn't lead us to experience. You can read um, Scripture all day long and still not know the voice of the Lord and still not recognize the voice of the Lord if it does not lead you to a direct experience with God. Um, Let me talk real quickly, and I I need your attention because it's not going to be long tonight. we got baptism, and I don't want to prolong the the service too long, but I need you guys to get this stuff tonight. Um, As it relates to the voice of God, um, it is so imperative to understand Scripture is full of people who heard from God. And in the Old Testament, you get this thing to where you're constantly reading about audible voices. Moses heard audible or audibly the voice of God. You get this idea in the Old Testament, and this is why Moses is so uh, controversial as it relates to not only the Christian faith, but also uh, the Hebrew faith. And it is so important to understand that Moses, his experience with God was such a magnificent thing that people started to idolize what God was doing in the life of Moses to the point to where when Moses left them just to go up the mountain to experience God, to bring down lawful commands, they lost their mind in the absence of their leader. Most people do not know how to hear God without their leader. And this is very, very Uh, very much a tragedy and it it keeps us in an infancy stage in our Christianity. Many people are living an inferior Christian life. They have no idea how to hear God for themselves. And this is why we have, especially in American culture, people in churches that idolize their leader. Now, I can tell you, and you know I I shoot it straight. Um, I've been a part of both sides of the coin. I I, I grew up in black church. I also grew up in white church. We was kind of everywhere. Mom had us flipping everywhere. We'd go to Church of God in the morning and Kojic at night. And there's so much that I was able to see in those different varieties of church and how it operates. And I can tell you that there has, in America, has been created a, an idolatry as it relates to pastors, preachers, leaders, whatever title that they have. Black church or the urban world of church, it gets to the point now to where people almost go over and above honor. They don't recognize where honor ends and idolatry begins. And there's a big difference there. Now in the white church, the pendulum has swung all the way to the other end. 
they don't honor the gift that's in their house. I'm just gale to them. I don't care about titles, but I do look for them based on how you're going to receive the things God has assigned me to give you. I may be your friend, but I'm more than that. You're an assignment on my life, and if you come here and call me pastor, then I have a responsibility to pastor you. And that means we're going to have to have conversations that are not always feeling good. Amen, somebody. So there's going to be some things that we got to talk about. Like, why, If you don't change this, this is where this ends. This is where this goes. I didn't get into ministry so that I could fix, uh, deal with tragedies only at the end. I got into them so we could prevent tragedies from happening. Amen? It's so much easier to follow God and walk out his path and let his purpose overtake you than it is to keep repenting because you keep doing it your way, then you want God to fix it. The Holy Spirit is meant to lead us. He wants to get in front of you and tell you what steps to take. If the only thing that you hear from the Holy Spirit is repent, you're living an inferior Christian life. Are you hearing me? Every encounter with God you have shouldn't be repent. In the way that we view repentance. Because repentance actually means something completely different than the modern Christian American church views it as. I've taught you the word, the Greek word metanoia for repentance. It means the change of mind. Really, the Christian life is a permanent position of repentance. But it should not always be every encounter I have with the Father is me asking for forgiveness. It should be me asking for directions. Tell me what steps to take. Is this okay tonight? Everybody say the voice of God. 1 Samuel 3. Let's read just real quick. PT, you, you, you all set? The boy Samuel was serving God under Eli's direction. This was at the time when the revelation of God was rarely heard or seen. One night Eli was sound asleep. His eyesight was very bad. He could hardly see. It was well before dawn. The sanctuary lamp was still burning. Samuel was still in bed in the temple of God where the chest of God rested. Then God called out, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, yes, I am here. Then he ran to Eli saying, I heard you call. Here I am. Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And so he did. All right. First of all, Eli was a spiritual father to Samuel. He was a spiritual father to Samuel. Um, we've heard of the exploits Samuel does. I mean, King David was the result of Samuel's picking, Samuel's choosing. Um, Also, Saul was the result of Samuel's choosing, based off of what he heard from the father. Um, Samuel was quite the prophet, right? This is the first time he encounters the voice of God. And notice what happens. He runs to his spiritual father. He runs to what's familiar and said, did you call me? Let me let that set for a second. The first encounter he has with the voice of God to where there's no mediator, he establishes establishes 
in his heart the fact this has to be Eli calling me. I want you to get that. Eli is not the one calling him. He goes to Eli and Eli says, man, that, that ain't me. Go back to bed. So he goes back to bed. I'm just trying to speed it up here. Goes back to bed. God says, Samuel, Samuel. He gets back up, says, Eli, did you call me? No, that's not me, man. Go back to bed. Tries to go back to It's hard to sleep. Come on, somebody. Hard to sleep when God's dealing with you. He goes. Anybody testify to that? How many know NyQuil can't make, you can't sleep in through that? When God wants you up, you, you're not going to sleep. Goes back to bed. Samuel says, this ain't me. Uh, Eli says, this ain't me. And then all of a sudden, what happens again? He said, I heard you call me again. Finally, Eli says, man, this, I get it. Next time you go back, say, Lord, here I am. Third time, say, Lord, this is me. I want you to notice something, though. It is very, very important to understand what happened here. Number one, the first thing God spoke to Samuel was his name. He didn't talk to him about prophesying about everybody else's stuff. He didn't deal with, he didn't, he didn't ordain him as an apostle. The first time you hear God, it's not going to be your apostle credentials. First time you hear God ain't going to call you to prophetic ministry. First time you hear God ain't going to be your mandate to, to, to ministry. Come on, somebody. First time you hear God is typically going to be he's establishing your name. He's letting you know that I know who you are. And from this point on, this is what, how I'm going to address you. The reason why some of us don't respond to the voice of God is because you don't know your name. You're still going off of everything the world is identifying you with. And you don't recognize he's talking to you. You're actually living in a nickname. And he's trying to get you back to a place of identity. See, names in the kingdom mean something. Jesus was constantly re-identifying folks. Constantly re-identifying. He said, Peter up on this rock I'll build. Not Simon. Peter up on this rock I'll build my church. It was Peter that got the keys to the kingdom. Come on, somebody. And he said, Samuel, Samuel, he identified that. And what gets me is that Samuel jumped up and went to the first thing familiar. That must be that calling. This is where we mess up when God is trying to speak to us. We have to learn the principle of being still and knowing that he is God. Don't jump up. And you you should be writing notes down on this stuff because I'm trying to teach you how to recognize the voice of the Lord. When God is dealing with you, it is very important that you don't rush to a familiar source looking for clarity on something God is willing to reveal if you just say, here I am. The first thing we do when we have a dream is call somebody prophetic. What if God was trying to use your gift? Come on, somebody. First thing we do, what does this mean? What does that mean? And then you get disappointed when somebody tells you interpretation that don't feel right. How do you know it don't feel right? Because you know what the nature was. You're the one that felt it. Before, we, there's whole books about dreams and how to interpret them, and it's all garbage as far as I'm concerned. Is it black? Is it white? Was it dreaming black or white? Was it color? Or this means this. Listen, that's just selling points so people can dive into a silly camp. That's all that is. The only thing that matters is the interpretation of the Holy Spirit. That is all that matters. What is the Holy Spirit saying and what is he describing to you? How did it feel? Was there fear attached to it? Come on, somebody. 
What was the nature of it? Because the language of God isn't English. The language of God is spirit. You know, in the Old Testament, everything was about an audible voice. And then we get to the New Testament, you don't hear these audible things too much. Paul's got this issue with Damascus that we see. And that's wonderful, but somehow it's almost like, man, why was it so much? Why was he speaking audible here? It was like the glory was there, but how come it diminishes here? It didn't diminish. Didn't diminish. I can sit down and order for my wife without her being there at the restaurant. Why? Relationship. She doesn't have to call me and audibly say what she wants. I know what she wants. It doesn't diminish in the New Testament. It increases because now he has access to our hearts. An enemy can hear an audible voice. Amen, somebody. This okay tonight? Real quick, go over to Proverbs 4.23. I'm going to try to give you a few scriptures. I'm going to get you out of here. We're going to go right into uh, the baptismal part of service here tonight. Proverbs 4, yep, uh, 23 message is fine. Uh, Proverbs 4.23. Matter of fact, Dorian, why don't you, oh, where, where's, he, where's he at? Oh, here, snap a picture of this so he can keep up. Proverbs 4.23. Watch this here. Let's read. Keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid careless banter, white lies, and gossip. Look here. Keep uh, vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. Everybody say, that's where life starts. (laughs) That's where life starts. You're probably more familiar with the King James, the new King James and NSAB here. To guard your heart with all. With what? All diligence. Why? For out of it. I can't hear nobody. Come on. Guard your heart with. For out of it. I've taught this before. It's worth uh, repeating here, regurgitating. A proper guard stands at the city gates. This is what a guard does. Uh, come here, Jamie, just real quick. Um, I need somebody else. Come here, Chantel, just real quick. You're right here. Watch it. Here's what a guard does. Stand here. You two here, you're going to guard this entry. This get, This is what a guard does. Mitch, why don't you stand up here. That's what a guard does. Let's say the city is behind them. Let's say I'm the king, and any wise king guards the borders to the territory they're assigned to. He comes in, they stop him. What would they do? They're gonna, their job is to figure out if he's a threat. They're trying to figure out they're going to search him. Come on now. They've got to figure out if he's got weapons, what his intent is, what his business is here. Why? Because they are responsible for me. And everything that is behind them, none of it can get to them without their approval. They're guards of the city. But here's the kicker. Everybody knows this part. Here's the other responsible side of a guard. When everything 
is checked out. And then they see that there's purpose here. Their job is to also allow them in. I didn't, listen, that, that's huge. Because we're not, just because you shut your heart off don't mean you're guarding your heart. You just now place of no access. That doesn't mean you're guarding your heart. That's why you're not getting any life. Why? Because you're standing at, 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 at the city gate of your heart. No, nothing comes in. Last person hurt me. Nothing comes in. And then everything you need isn't coming to you. Because now you are in shutdown mode. I got hurt once. I'm not going to get hurt again. I'm shutting it all down. <laughs> and then here he is. He's trying to get in a sign to come in because he can help. A proper guard recognizes purpose even if pain is attached to it. Because he may be giving me something that may be a hard saying that I need to hear. They still need to let him in. Come on now. A guard doesn't say the only, they don't just permit stuff that feels good. They permit stuff that's needed. Oh, I'm teaching tonight. You guys can be seated. Thank you. Guard your heart with all diligence. Why is this important? Because this is where life starts. We're talking about hearing the voice of God. Why do we not hear the voice of God clearly? Because our hearts are not encountering life. Why? Because we are in shutdown mode. This is why it's so much easier to just call a pastor and say, what's God saying? And sometimes God will lock up my ability to even see for you simply because he's trying to use you as the source. I'm not going to give you a way out. I'm not showing them nothing. This is your prayer life I'm trying to emerge. This is why leaders are, this is why leaders are so worn out because we we become mediators and we're not mediators. I'm not Jesus. I'm not your Holy Spirit. My job is to teach the word and teach sound doctrine and love you. My job is not to mediate for you. Come on, somebody. Them idols got to come down. Honor me. Don't idolize me. Amen, somebody. Look at Proverbs 23, uh, verse 26 here. Watch this. Let's, let's read this. Give me your heart, my son, and let your eyes delight in my ways. Right here. Give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. This is the problem that we have. We're coming up here and we're saying, I'm giving you my heart, but our eyes... They're fixed on the wrong stuff. You'd be amazed at how hard it is to tempt you with your eyes closed. It's possible, it's just more difficult. When our eyes are closed, the only temptation that we suffer is the stuff that's been lingering. But when our eyes are open, new things are available. Why? Because the eyes are the soul. They're a gateway to the soul. You got to be careful. What you see, you can become. Very important to, 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 to understand this here where it says, give me your heart, my son. Talk about hearing God. You need to write this down. Quit looking for an audible voice. Start looking for a transformed heart. His voice comes through his nature. His nature. The worst wars ever 
possible happen from people who claim they heard God. More people have died in religious wars than any other war in the world. The Dark Ages was a result of this nonsense. Millions of people have died. To this day, the Middle East is still at war. And it's all daddy issues. That's what it is. We're Abraham's seed. No, we're Abraham's seed. No, we're Abraham's seed. No, we're Abraham's seed. And then you get the Muslims and you get the Christians and you get all this, these, these branches. It's all daddy issues. The truth is, we're all right. We're all a seed. But we're defined in Christ. It's so important to understand if you're the type of person that doesn't let God transform your heart and you still want to act as if you are an oracle. It is very possible. When you talk about the prophetic giftings in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is very, very adamant as, as he teaches this, as he's talking to the Corinth church because it was very gifted. Everybody wanted to prophesy. You ever been in one of them churches? I used to go to them all the time, parking lot prophecies. I mean, you can't walk out without getting a word from the Lord, from everybody. And it's not a word unless they're shaking and, and falling down and spit flying everywhere, you know. It's, 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 and then everything has to rhyme. You know, God is Dr. Seuss. So everything has to rhyme. I, I don't, you guys got to forgive me. I'm burned out on this stuff. Um, but the reality is, is that when they're trying to translate God, many people do not understand that built into their translation mechanism is their own bias. And their, their bias is, is built in and then it comes out through their translations. Are you hearing me? It comes out through the translations. And so what has to happen is we have to surrender our heart. Because this is where we actually hear from the Father. It's impossible. You know, Romans 5 is big. Romans 5 said that the the wrath of God was satisfied through the working of the cross, right? What that means is that in the new covenant, prophetic ministry or apostolic ministry looks completely different. Well, not apostolic ministry because it was only in the New Testament. But prophetic ministry looks completely different than the Old Testament. Why? Because in the Old Testament, God's wrath was being poured out. When the prophets spoke in the Old Testament, they was hearing from a God that did have judgment on his mind. He did. And in grace teachings, which we are a part of, there has to come a balance there because there is a side to where God will get your tail in order. You call it what you want. Judgment, you can call it. Pruning, you can call it what you want. All I know is it's daddy doing what he's supposed to do to get us back in the right place. Right? Because he loves you. It's, 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 it's love induced. This is, this is how this happens. And, and, and thank God. Thank God for that. You know, and so... Romans 5 says that the wrath of God, so when Jesus went to the cross, new covenant was established through the blood as it was poured out. We see that, and then the wrath of God, Jesus took the wrath of God. You know, he said that if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. The scripture acts there, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all the word men, italicized, is added, it's not in the original Greek there. What he was saying in the chapter is he was saying that the world has sin, it needs to be judged. But if I be lifted up, that's not a praise and worship scripture, y'all. 
He's saying, if I go to the cross and I'm lifted up on this cross, I will draw all the judgment you deserve to me. This is why Paul said that we become, he became sin so that we become a righteousness. Come on, somebody. And now we have this great exchange that happened through the working of the cross. And so if you're going to claim to be prophetic, you need to understand you should be hearing from a God that is satisfied with the work of the cross. He should not always be giving you prophetic judgment words of doom and gloom, and he's going to get you, and you better do this right. It should not always be out calling out sin all the time. Come on, somebody. I don't need you to call out my sin. I know it better than you. Come on, I need you to tell me who I am. Samuel, Samuel. Come on now. I can't whip this without identity. Most people think they're prophetic. They're just diagnostics. So they are. They're just diagnosing issues. They're not prophetic. They don't take, you're dealing with my past. Prophetic is futuristic. Amen, somebody. What am I saying? If the father is satisfied, why are you translating what he's telling you as if he's irritated? doesn't work why doesn't it work because many of us have not allowed our hearts to be converted by the nature of the father through christ jesus you know the the scripture you know what it doesn't say faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god it doesn't say that it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of christ that's the translation christ why is that important because jesus actually demonstrated what the nature of God looks like. That's why the church hated him. Why? Because he shows up forgiving people who are unforgivable. He shows up helping the helpless, giving hope to the hopeless. And then he has the nerve to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Nobody in Scripture said that. He said, him and I are one. And I pray that you become one like we are. (laughs) Come on. Mount Transfiguration, the father shows up, you got Elijah, the judgment prophet, then you got Law, Moses, they show up with Jesus, Peter's trying to build tents, Jesus stops him, like, man, chill, chill, the father says, this is my son, hear him, in other words, quit translating me through law or judgment, hear him, he's the guy that looks like me, he's the guy that's walking in the nature I gave him, he's the, he's, you want to know how I want you to live, watch him, he's the patterned son, I love Moses, but Moses is not my role model. It's Christ. It's Christ. It's offensive to religious folk. But my God, we are who we are. We are called Christians. Christians, come on somebody. He's what makes us who we are. So, the voice of God comes from a heart that is transformed through the heart of the Father. How does that happen? It doesn't come by prayer and fasting. It comes by one thing and one thing only. Surrender. Surrender is what transforms a heart. Saying, okay, God, I surrender. You ever say that and then you say, what's next? <laughs> what's next is on him. Once the heart surrendered, it starts its imprint stage. He starts imprinting, and their directions flow. Is this okay tonight? Just, I'm going to give you 
two more here. Philippians 4, 7. Watch this. Swing over here real quick. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. I'm going to read. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts. Look at that. It minds in Christ Jesus. There's a lot of scripture about guarding hearts. Why? Because that's the source of life. God knows you're going to go through stuff, but he gives you peace that passes your ability to understand it. Why? So it can guard your heart. Because if what you're going through gets to your heart, it changes the way you interpret what the Father's saying. That's a good word. If what we go through, this is why, listen, hear me. This is why offense is so bad. Offense sits in when you hang on to something longer than you have permission to by the Spirit. You can actually grow to a place in God. You hear me, y'all? You can grow to a place in the Father to where you will learn to let go of stuff you don't even understand. Like, you'll learn to let go of stuff that you do not even have resolve for in your mind yet. Because your spirit man is leading you. And it's amazing how the truth of a thing emerges after you surrender to the intention of the Father. Our perceptions have been hijacked by the things we have allowed in toxic communication to infiltrate our heart. This heart is everything. It's everything. It's everything. The heart is corrupted. Everything comes from it's deceitful. This is why the primary purpose of the new covenant was that he would take away the heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Everybody say, guard my heart. John 8, 47. Just watch this. John 8, verse 47. He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason you do not hear them because you are not of God. Now, off rip, you would read that and think, well, I don't hear God's words. So am I not of God? Not what he's saying. John is literally, in this passage, describing people who are sitting under a message from God but do not recognize it as God. That's what's happening. In other words, if I'm preaching to you and it is the heart of God for your situation and you do not recognize it as the Holy Spirit dealing with you, this is what he's talking about. He's literally saying here, he who is of God hears the words of God. In other words, you recognize God. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody that you are spiritually connected to and they said something and it triggered you? Like, oh, that's God right there. I know that that right there, there was life on it. Have you ever read a scripture and you've read it a hundred times, but this time it hit different? Why? That's God. He's dealing with it. He's speaking to it right there. Why? Where's that coming from, though? Where's that translation coming from? How are you translating that as God? Your spirit, man. He's not, it's not the English that you're reading it in or hearing it in. It's, it's your spirit, man. It literally is what is inside of you. When you came into Christ, watch it. You was born again. 
You are new creation. I'm going to say it again. You're new creation. You're new creation. You're new creation. You're new creation. You're not the old man. Quit trying to fix Adam. He's dead. He's gone. He, there's no hospital that can cure him. He's done. Quit trying to fix Adam. Start trying to live in Christ. Amen, somebody. And you know what I love about the voice of God? We Listen, we walk by faith. We don't run by faith. We walk by faith. And some will say, well, that seems slow. No, it's not slow. It's careful. It's not slow. It's careful. It's wisdom. Why do you walk by faith? Because this pace that you may look at as slow is the pace that he needs you to walk at because each step is developing a side of you that requires extraordinary patience because it's not just about the steps I'm taking are not just about getting me where I want to go. It's about making me who I'm supposed to be. So when I get there, I'm serving his purpose. Every step in the kingdom is transformation. Last scripture, John 6, verse 63. I felt like I was supposed to teach this tonight. This confirmation, anybody? John 6, verse 63 here. Look at here. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. What is he saying? The voice of God... The language of the Father is spirit. We live in a time right now where everybody thinks that if they study Hebrew, they're closer to God. It's killing me. First of all, a lot of that Hebrew is a dead language. I'd, for sure, uh, the first century common Greek language was definitely a dead language. Um, but it's, it's so important to understand that it is the Holy Spirit that's in us that translates the meaning in the heart of the Father. And it's different for everybody. There's, th- there's ways that God gets to me that would probably freak y'all out. Sometimes, <laughs> I'm, I'm not lying, there's been times the Holy Spirit was trying to speak to me and literally told me to uh, put my Bible down. And go, I'd go for a walk. Bam. Download. <laughs> because at, at one point in my life, reading the Bible for me was all about theology. It's cool to be a theologian, but when you meet, when you're talking to the person who was there. <laughs> yo, see, the, the, the real meaning of theology is the study of God. We're not doing that. We're, we're studying the people that were studying God. Real theology is studying God. I'll, I'll never forget this story uh, in India. I was reading this years and years and years ago in a book. Old missionary was going to India, way up in the mountains, preaching Jesus. Little monk sat there, and he was he crossed, legs crossed. He's sitting there with this big smile on his face and crying every time the guy preached. The evangelist says, the American evangelist says to the guy, he says, Sir, I see you... Uh, I see this message moves you. Do you want to give your heart to the Lord? You want to give your heart to, to Jesus? And he said, oh, oh, he could barely speak. I, 
he has my heart. I didn't know his name until you got here. In other words, I've been fellowship. What you're talking about, I've got that. I just didn't know what to call him until you got here. <laughs> See, the Bible says that he said eternity in our hearts. You know, it kills me when people say, well, what about the billions of people that was born before Christ? They never knew Christ. Where are they at? Hell no. He said eternity in their hearts. God has a way of getting to people. And this life isn't the end of it. <laughs> Some of the questions we ask, I bet God's sitting up there all knowing stuff like, man, they just think they know, they don't know nothing. Like some of the stuff, it really takes an arrogance to really be atheistic because you, 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 there's so many, I would rather you say you're agnostic, but there's so much that we don't understand. We're never going to understand with our limited brain. This brain, this body is developed and designed for faith. (laughs) That's why you got limits. It's designed for faith. (laughs) It's designed to steward mysteries. That's why you was made. You're never going to get all the answers. That's not how you're built. You're built to be in the dark. (laughs) Why? Because whether you know it or not, that's the strongest you're ever going to be. When you can manage something you don't understand, you're walking into real supernatural. Come on, somebody. You're designed for the dark. You're made for the mystery. Amen. So the voice of God, it starts, maybe I'll go, I'll do a series on this because there's a lot of it. But the voice of God, it starts with the condition of the heart. The condition of the heart. Before Paul ever, ever taught on prophetic ministry in the Corinth church, he had to get them straight on the love issue. Didn't he? He had to deal with the love issue. Love, 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 love. Oh, if you want to prophesy. Oh, if you want to prophesy. Like, that comes after what happens in your heart. Quit seeking the title. Quit seeking to be a prophet or an apostle or all any of these things until your heart reflects the nature of the Father. And then don't seek it. Let it flow. Starts with the heart. A contaminated heart is going to be abusive in their gift. Right? Gonna be abusive in their gift. But a heart that's pure sees God. A heart that's pure sees God. The language of God is spirit. Everybody say that. The language of God. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. You receive this tonight?